Well, good morning. Come on now. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? You gotta make a little bit of noise. Come on, you excited to be here. So good to see you guys. I wanna welcome everybody watching online and on our Gracing campus as well. Guys, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We are one church in two locations, and uh, we're just excited to be here. In fact, look at the person sitting beside and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Tell them, go ahead, tell them right now. Say, I'm glad you are here today. Man, I'm excited about today, but before we jump in, I just gotta celebrate one more time. I mean, just can't believe what the Lord is doing right here in the midst of uh, uh, Better Life Church, and this past, I know you heard, but this past Wednesday and I, I mean, 28 students give their life to Jesus at youth and college. Come on now, that's amazing. God is really using Brandon and the team really to make a difference in our young people's lives. I'm really super uh, proud of him and what God is doing, but I'm telling you what, just to see what the Lord is doing uh, right now is just so fun to be a part of, and I'm excited that you are here with us. And in fact, when you think about it, looking around our world right now, we live in a crazy, chaotic world. You know, when things seem hopeless, really what we need more than anything right now is just a real big dose of hope. And what is hope, actually? I know we talk about it. You know, we have no idea what's going on in the world a lot of times, our country, and just everything around us, and everything, you know, is up and down, highs and lows. And, and how do you just say, this? I'm just gonna have hope? And what exactly is hope? I really believe that a lot of us, uh, including myself at times, we really don't understand hope to the fullness. In fact, that's one of our core values here at Better Life Church. When you hear us say, the best is yet to come, that word is underlined with the value of hope that we truly believe that the best yet to come. No matter how bad it may get, no matter what takes place in our life, we truly believe that the best is yet to come. But hope is a little different than, than uh, in a mindset than maybe optimism. No, hope is not wishful thinking. Hopeful is not wishful thinking about something in the future. I just hope, and you're going to fill in the blank, thinking that it's, the, it's something just wishful about the future. In fact, you need hope now. You need hope today. You need hope tonight. You need hope in the morning, not because you're gonna die tonight, but because you gotta get up and live tomorrow. We need hope, and hope is different than optimism. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather be optimistic than pessimistic. Come on now, right? I mean, but there's a difference between hope and optimism, being optimistic all the time. Optimism is psychological. You know, you just psych yourself up, it's optimistic, it's right. Hope is theological. Hope doesn't matter how I feel, I still gonna put my hope in something that doesn't change. Optimism puts trust in yourself. I believe I can do this, I think I can do this, I can do this, things will change. Hope puts their confidence in God, not myself, not my gifts, not my talents, not that I can fix or do whatever. Hope is I'm gonna put my trust again in something that cannot change. Optimism says, yes, you can do it, but hope says, yes, God can do it, and God can come through. So there's a little bit of difference between hope and, optim and, and optimistic. And optimism, a lot of times, they'll, they'll deny reality. Optimism says, you know what, it's not that bad, it's going okay, the sun still shines in the morning, it's not that bad, we're gonna get through this, very optimistic. But hope doesn't deny reality. Hope looks at reality right in the face and know what, it's bad. Like my marriage, is bad. This addiction, is bad. My job, it's bad. My emotions, it's bad. Our world, is bad. Like hope will not deny reality. There is reality, it is bad right now. But however, I'm gonna look past that and I'm gonna put my hope in something that doesn't change and believe that truly that the best is yet to come. In fact, the verse I wanna kick off today, uh, we're, this is not the passage, but I, I think it really sets up where we're headed, is that in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have, and here's the, here it is, you have placed, you place what? Your faith and your hope. Where do you put that hope at? 
Are you putting your hope in yourself, your gifts, your ability, your talent, the hopes that this can work? And then you're just like, yeah, I willpower. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Or are you putting it in something that doesn't change? You have placed your faith and hope in God because he is what? He has raised Christ from the dead. And that is evidence that he never changed. If he can raise his son from the dead, trust me, he can raise whatever you're hopeless about from the dead. And a lot of times we're facing things that may seem hopeless. In fact, I'm gonna ask you this question. Maybe right now in your life, what seems hopeless to you? What situation, what thing may be happening, what seems just like hopeless to you? Like, I just don't think what's ever going to, and you just fill in the blank. It just seems hopeless. It's never gonna work out, I'm never gonna break this, I'm never gonna, it's not, you just fill in the blank. What may seem hopeless to you? Because really when hopelessness truly sets in, that's really where a lot of times depression will come from. Depression will come from that it just never get better. It's never gonna change. This is how I'm always gonna be. This is what the circumstance will always gonna be. This is what my marriage is always gonna be. This is what the world is always gonna be. And then depression will set in in hopelessness. And, and so what situation are you facing right now that you just feel like hopeless about? And I think today, hopefully today, God will use this passage that we're gonna talk about in this series of I Am Statements to really speak into your life. So grab your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 11. I think this is one of the most powerful passages in the Bible that deals with hopelessness in your situation or in your circumstance. And I hope today the Lord use it maybe to speak into your situation or in your life. If you've been around church, it's a very familiar church, I mean, very familiar passage. In fact, Brandon preached on it this past Wednesday. He's, he's preached on it from this stage before. And so it's a very familiar passage. And in John chapter 11, and you have these three characters here. You got Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And so Lazarus gets sick. If you know the story, if you've been in church before, it's, it's a kind of crazy story, but Lazarus gets sick. And I, I think kind of, the Bible don't tell us, but I think he is like kind of the baby brother because like Mary and Martha, they're like a protector of Lazarus. They wanna help Lazarus. They're caring for Lazarus. He's sick. And all of a sudden, they realize that he's not gonna get well, so they need to go get Jesus because if Jesus is here, Jesus is gonna fix my boy. Jesus is gonna fix him, and everything's gonna be great because when Jesus is here, things are, are taken, uh, things are gonna work out. And so they send a letter to Jesus or a message to Jesus, and they get there, and they tell him that Jesus, and they appeal to Jesus on the basis of love. It says, Jesus, you know the boy that you love? You know, Lazarus, my, my brother, you know, you love him. The one that you love. See, they appeal to him on the basis of love. He's sick and he needs you, you need to come home, you need to get here. And here's what Jesus responds to the messenger. In verse four it says, but when Jesus heard about this, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it will happen for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And then stops. So here's Jesus' friend, he really loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus and gets his message Lazarus sick and he says, this is not gonna end in death. This miracle will take place for the glory of God. And I just wanna encourage some of you right now. Some of you are going through circumstances and you need a miracle. And you're begging God to bring a miracle. Maybe you need a job. Maybe, maybe it's just something in your finances. Maybe it's your health situation. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's just, I don't know what it is for you. Am I gonna get in that college or not? Or what circumstance you're facing? And you need a miracle in your life. But I wanna encourage you this and let you know. God don't give miracles for you just to give them to you. God does miracles so that he can get the glory for it. And so when God performs a miracle in your life, you need to give him the glory for it. You need to get back and not like, well, I was just really optimistic about it and I just really thought that, you know, we was gonna figure this out. And you need to stop and say, I'm gonna give God all the glory for the miracle he does. When God does miracles, he does it for his glory, not for you. And so God says, this one will not end in death. I'm gonna do this so the glory of God and God will be glorified. So verse five, so although that Jesus loved Martha, and Mary, and Lazarus, this is so important, he stayed. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, I don't want you to miss this. 
because he loved them, he delayed. See, that's opposite for us. We're like, God, where are you? Right, God, how come you're not here yet? God, if you really love me, then why are you not here fixing my problem? But because he loved them, he, he delayed. He allowed the things to play out, right? Because we always say, you know, God is never late. God is always on time. Can he just show up early for once? You know what I'm saying? Like, can he just show up early just once, man? Just come in this little early just for one time. And I understand that statement. God's never late. God's always on time. He's on his time. But for you, see, Mary and Martha doesn't know the end of the story. And I don't know about you, but any kind of illness or sickness that comes upon you quickly and you die within three days, four days, that's a bad illness. Do you imagine Mary and Martha, what they've done? Because at the end of life, death, a lot of times, tragedy. It's kind of a terrible place to be if you watch someone actually die. And so here, they, and they didn't have what we have today, the, the medicine they have today. So they're trying to care for the brother. And if he got sick that quick and died within a few days, you know that had to took, just ravished him. Gasping for air, vomiting, all this stuff. And they're sitting, they don't know the rest of the story. And they're sitting trying to do their very best. Going, come on, Jesus, please. Just hurry and get here. Jesus, please, please, please. Please hurry and get back here and fix my circumstance. Fix my situation. Fix what I know and believe that you can fix. But I don't want you to miss this because a lot of times people think God don't love me because God's not fixing it. It's because he loves you that he delays. Because God wants to do something. And the faster that you and I recognize that, the faster I believe that God performs the miracles in our life. And so anyway, finally after two days, Jesus says, let's go. And the disciples try to stop him from going and say, wait, 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 we were just back there. Remember they threw stones at you? They wanted to kill you? You wanna go back to a place where they're trying to kill you? And besides, you said Lazarus is just asleep. And if he's just asleep, won't he just wake up? Why are we gonna go back to a place where people try to kill you and you just say Lazarus is asleep? Jesus says in verse 14, so he, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's not asleep, he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. So come, let us go and see him, or let us go and get him. Now, what, just for a side note here, if you keep reading in verse 16, which is not on the screen here, Thomas, he gets kind of a bad rap in the Bible, like he's the doubting Thomas. Let me see your scars, let me see your hand, let me put my hand in. I won't believe until I see him. And you know, gives a bad rap of doubting Thomas. But if you go home and read verse 16, you know what it says? Thomas looks at everybody and says, come on, let's go die with Jesus. And so I know, before we start throwing shade at Thomas for doubting, he's willing to go die. He says, come on, he thought, he thought Jesus was gonna go back and die, so he says, come on, let's go, we're gonna go die with Jesus. So you gotta give him props. So anyway, that was his little free Bible study this morning. But the reason why Jesus delays is so it would increase our hope and our trust and our faith in him. And so he arrives. He finally makes the trek back and he arrives. It's been four days now. And so he gets back there and here comes Martha and she runs to Jesus' feet and she begins to weep. And she begins to cry. And I'm so thankful that John let us know that it has been four days since he's dead, since he passed away. That's very important for us. And let me just show you why. Because we're not first century Jews. And because we're not first century Jews, we don't understand the customs, we don't understand the mindsets were taking place back then, 2,000 years ago. But a first century Jew at this time believed that when you died, that your spirit would hover over your body for three days. And the spirit would try to enter back into the body, enter back into the body, just trying to bring back life to the body. So for three days, your spirit would hover over your body. This is what some of the early Judaism writings would teach us. And so they were sitting there believing. So for John to write to us today that he's been dead for four days, we're not a Jewish audience, so we really wouldn't understand this. Okay, he's been dead for four days. What, he, what you would have heard at that time if we were there was not only is he dead, 
He is dead, dead. His spirit is already departed and already gone, and there is no spirit hovering over his body. So when John says he's been dead for four days, if you and I were first century Jews and listening, we were like, oh, man, he's gone, man. Like, he's like gone, gone. There's no hope for him. Like, the body and the spirit is already departed. There's no hope that anything can happen. So Martha runs in verse 21, and here's what she says. And she says a statement that you and I say a lot in our life, more than probably what you think. But look what she said. Lord, if only you had been here. If only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then she's thinking about her past. She's thinking about this preventative faith here. Lord, if only, and you fill in the blank. God, if only you would have showed up, my parents wouldn't have got divorced. God, if only you would have been here, granny wouldn't have passed away. God, if only you would have been here, I wouldn't have been abused as a kid. God, if only you would have been here, I wouldn't have lost my job. God, if you would only be here, she wouldn't have walked out on me. God, if you would only show up, I would break this addiction. See, we do this all the time. We say these things. God, if only, if you, God, where are you? How come? Why did this happen? Why didn't you do this? Why, if, if only you would have showed up. If only you would have came through. If only you, and we, we're, we're no different. We ask these exact same, God, if only you, I wouldn't be sick. God, if I only wouldn't be here, then this wouldn't happen. God, where are you? How come you didn't? Why would you not? We ask these questions, and maybe you not ask them out loud, but internally in your heart and your mind, you will ponder on this. God, if only you would have, and then maybe it would have happened. But then she makes this incredible statement in verse 22, incredible statement. She says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And this is kind of like, <laughs> it's already been in her so much, she knows that she needs to say this. You know, it's like, like when bad things happen, it's like, well, we know that bad things happen for the glory of God and God's gonna get glory from it and blah, blah, blah. Like, this is what you would say. She makes a statement, she goes, but even now, I love this, even now, folks, that's resurrection faith right now. Even now, that's president, even right now, God, you could, whatever you ask, I know God will do it. Like, I'm gonna have this resurrection face to believe no matter what happens that you could. God, even now, I believe that God can heal me. Even now, if God can resurrect his son from the dead, he can resurrect my marriage from the dead. Even now, God can get me a job. Even now, God can come through. Even now, God can bring my wayward kid home. Even now, right now, God can break this addiction that I'm facing. See, that's resurrection faith. That, that's faith to believe even now, God can do it. And so Jesus tells her, verse 23, he gets very eschatological here just a moment. She goes, your brother will rise again. Didn't I tell you? Jesus told her, says, your brother will rise again. And listen to what Martha says. Yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now, she's talking about the resurrection at the end. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that next series. She's like, at the last days, at the resurrection, yes, we know that my brother will rise. I understand. So she's got the eschatological, she got her theory, she knows theologically that someday the body's gonna come back and forth and break from the grave and gonna go with, she gets that. She gets that, because Jesus told her that. And then here it is, here it is, verse 25. This is our statement. This is the one we've been building around. This is the I am. This is where he claims Yahweh. This is where he claims to be God. And listen to what he says in verse 25. This is our seventh one we've been dealing with. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after they die. He goes, I am the resurrection. See, Martha, you think the resurrection is an event. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. And he's standing right here in front of you. See, we do this. This is one of the biggest things the enemy wants to, to attack us with. He wants us to regret our past, guilt, shame of our past, worry about our future, and we miss today. And that's one of the greatest attacks of the enemy. 
can't believe you did that. God, I know, man, I feel dirty, I feel bad, I feel guilt, I feel shame. Oh, nobody, gosh, I can't believe. And you regret your past, but what about tomorrow? What if? What if that happens? What if that comes in? What if, what, if that don't, what if that don't work out? And what if that happens? What, what about my kids? But what if I don't have, a, what about college? What if I have no money? But what if the, with the economy? And what if the, and we'll, and we'll, what if I don't get a job? And we worry about the future. And then you miss today being a mom, a dad, a friend, a daughter, a son, because we're so caught up and we miss the present. And Jesus, whoa, whoa. And what Jesus, he pulled the past and he pulled the future into the present with the statement, I am life. I am resurrection. It's not an event. It's a person. And I'm right here in front of you, Martha. I am the resurrection. And what you're about to see happen is because I am the resurrection and I have the power over life and death. I told you this. Remember, we've been talking through the whole series. Hey, this is the name Yahweh that, that God gave Moses in the burning bush. He says, I am who I am. And we talked about this. I am the bread of life, the light of the world. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Next week, we'll talk about I am the vine, and we'll finish this. And today says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's present tense. It's right here in front of you. In verse 26, it says, everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And this is a question you gotta ask right now. You need to answer this. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. But do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you put your faith in me? Yes, Lord, she said, I told you, I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who's come into the world. I've always believed. See, they don't know the rest of the story. Do you see that faith? I trust you, I believe in you. Yes, preventative faith, if you could have been here, man, maybe, gosh, you would have. But I believe you are the Son of God. I still believe you're the Messiah. I still believe whatever you ask, God will give you. I still put my hope and my faith in you. And even though this hurts really bad, I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. And then so Martha goes and she gets her sister Mary and Mary comes out and Mary begins to weep and, and, and she falls at Jesus' feet and Jesus sees her weep and then Jesus begins to weep and then Jesus says, okay, okay, enough's enough. Take me to the grave. Take me to the tomb. And they protest. They protested. We ain't taking you to the tomb. Now, let's back up here. Let's put this in context. A tomb was carved out usually in the side of a mountain out of a rock, and it was enough to put about 20 to 30 bodies in it. And so what they would do when you would pass away, they would put spices over your body, and they would wrap you like a mummy. Kind of perfect story on Halloween, isn't it? They'd wrap you like a mummy, and they would take you, and they would lay you in a tomb. There would be other bodies in that tomb, and they would leave you in a tomb for one year. And then after a year, they would come back to the tomb and gather up your bones after you've decayed. They would put your bones into a box or some type of thing. And then they would bury your bones with your ancestors, with your father, your grandfather. And they would take them back to be. We see this through the scripture in the Old Testament where they did this. And so they would take that and that's what they would do. So the, the place in the tomb is just really a holding place for about a year. Then they would come back. So there could be somebody like John over here. He could have been dead for like nine months now, you know. One could have been six weeks ago. And so there are different ones. They put Lazarus in this tomb. And he goes to the tomb and he says, okay, here's what we're do. I want you to roll the stone away. I want you to roll the stone. And they protest, no, gosh, no, man, it stinks in there and everybody's decayed. Man, why would you want to do this, man? Come on, we're still mourning and you want to roll the stone away? Roll the stone away. And so because Jesus insisted, they finally, they rolled the stone away. And this is what Jesus says in verse 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you just believe? Where are you putting your faith and your trust? In yourself, in your circumstance, in this world, in politics? Where are you putting your faith and trust? 
If you put it in me and believe in me, did I not show you I would show you glory? But I not perform miracles? So they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up and he prayed. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people sitting here so that they will, watch, believe. This, this, this miracle is not for Lazarus. I love you. It's not for Mary Martha. I love you. It's for everyone to believe that I am who I say I am. I am the resurrection. And my Father in heaven gets glory for the miracle that's about to happen. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. You know why he said Lazarus? Because if he'd have said, come out, every dead person in there would have walked out. Every one of them. Because when Jesus speaks, dead things come to life. So he says, Lazarus, come out. And all of a sudden, look at this, look at this, look at this. A dead man came out, his hands and feet bound, grave clothes, his face wrapped in a handcloth. And Jesus says, unwrap him and let him go. I was on the way to, to the Moorhead campus this morning. My daughter, she, she went to ride with me, so she jumps in the vehicle and she's riding with me. She's this cute little bat and all this stuff dressed up for our costume party. And uh, she starts talking. She goes, Daddy, what are you preaching on today? She's six. And I said, well, I got a great story I'm gonna share for, I think it's really fitting for Halloween, sissy. And she goes, well, what is that? So I'm preaching on John 11, and I begin to, to tell her what happened about Lazarus and Mary and Martha and how Lazarus died, and then all of a sudden they wrapped him. She goes, well, why'd they wrap him in linen? Why'd they wrap him like a mummy? She just watched the mummy movie yesterday. And she goes, why'd they wrap him like a mummy? Why'd they put spices on him, Dad? Why'd they put spices? So, you know, you're the kid. They're asking all these questions. Like, I don't know, just because the Bible said so. <laughs> like, you know, and all this stuff, and you're going on and on. And all of a sudden, we got to the end. I said, then here comes Lazarus dancing like Michael Jackson in a thriller uh, video. And she starts dying laughing because she loves Michael Jackson. And so we'll be, in the, we'll be in, the, uh, in, the, in the kitchen, and she'll say, Alexa, play Michael Jackson. And all of a sudden, she looks at me, and she goes, come on, Daddy, come on. Come on, she just loves it. And so when I said it, she was like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna miss Big Church because she wants to go to the costume. But she's like, she was so excited about how God performed this miracle in someone's life. And so she asked this question. This is very important. I was gonna save it to the end, but while I'm already talking about it, I'm just gonna go and share it. She said, Daddy, at the end, when the graves break open and all the people in the graves, they go and be with to heaven, right? They go be with God. And I said, yeah, I'm gonna talk a little bit about that more in the next series, but in just, I, I, yeah. And she goes, so all the people who don't believe in Jesus, they're gonna go to that bad devil place. And I said, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then she asked this question. She said, Daddy, how do the people who are with the devil find their way now to Jesus? And I said, honey, it's too late. They never can make it. She said, so when they die, they go to that devil place, they can never get to heaven? I said, no. It's over, it's too late. She goes, you mean they're gonna spend eternity in that bad, bad place? I said, yes. And I said, and that's why you go when you tell everyone about Jesus and you always invite them to a place to a church where they can hear the gospel. You always share how Jesus changed your life and you always share with them how much God loves them. She goes, okay, daddy, I'm gonna tell them. So I'm gonna tell you that today, why you're still alive, why you still have breath, because the moment you breathe your last breath and you don't know Jesus, it is too late. It is too late. And so I beg you today, give your life to Jesus. And so here's a couple points and we'll finish up. The first thing I wanna share with you this morning is this. There's never a situation that's too far gone or too far hopeless that Jesus can't fix. So whatever hopeless situation you're facing right now and you think it's just too far gone, there's no, 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 no. With Jesus, if you still have breath and you still are alive, there's always hope. Not optimism, hope. 
Hope is in something that doesn't change, which is Jesus, who got up out of the grave. My hope is in him, that he has the power to fix the circumstance, to fix the situation. And if he doesn't change the circumstance, the situation, then maybe he'll change me. But God will get the glory from it. And so it's never too late. Nothing's too far gone. And then the second thing is this, it's never too late to start believing. It's never too late to say, you know what? I'm gonna start believing. Because he will take the impossible and make it possible. So if you're here today, listen, no matter what your hope is about, it's not too far gone where Jesus can't intervene. You just gotta believe that. And if you're here and you go, man, I just don't know about this God thing, man. You know, I tried it. I don't know if I should. Man, I've been thinking about it. No, I came, someone invited me. I'm watching online. I'm at, their, I'm at their grace and campus. I just don't know, really. I believe Jesus brought you here today so that you would believe. There's gonna come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, everyone, that Jesus Christ is Lord. I beg you to do this on this side of eternity until it's too late that you would give your life to him. Because here's the reality, the grave clothes has been wrapped around you way too long. And Jesus had brought you here to say, unwrap them, let them loose. It's been around your marriage too long, it's time to cut them. It's been around your addictions too long, it's time to cut them. It's been around your emotion, your negative emotions too long, it's time to get rid of them. Come on, come on, let's cut them, let's let, let them loose. It's been around your, your finances, your mindset. No, nope, we're gonna let it loose. It's been around this toxic environment at work you've been thinking about and at job. No, it's time to unwrap the grave clothes that's holding you back. Let them go and let them loose. And I believe that the Lord brought you here today to encourage you and to share that with you. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you would, just for a moment, if you would just bow your heads. A couple invitations. The first one, what are you hopeless about? Please give it to Jesus right now. Just turn it to him right now. It's out of your control anyway. Give it to him. And then the second invitation, because I'm gonna do the exact same thing I told my daughter this morning. We gotta beg people to come to Jesus. Would you give your life to Jesus today? You can never have hope until you know him, because he is hope. You can never have life until you know him. He is life. And because he got up out of the grave and died for you, you can now live. Eternal life is not when you die, Jesus says. Eternal life is now. Life is now, it's the present tense. Don't delay and wait any longer. And so right where you said, or if you're watching online or at our Grayson campus or here at our Moore campus, you can give your life to Jesus right now. Saying a prayer, I promise you, will not save you. It's not a saying a prayer. But your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart will declare that Jesus Christ is God, that he is Lord, that he did get up out of the grave, then your lips can proclaim it. So just cry with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I repent of my sin. I've blown it. Man, I've messed up. Thank you for forgiving me. And I put all my hope and all my faith in you because you did get up out of the grave. I believe. And if that's you, just in a moment, a host is gonna come out 
And then we'll give you a number you can text. And the reason we want you to do that is so that we can just pray for you. If you're watching online right now, man, put it in the comments. Chats, let us know so we can celebrate. To give your life to Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And God, there's times in our lives that things just seem hopeless. And just like Mary and Martha, we didn't know we don't know the rest of the story. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. We don't know. And I believe that's why, Father, you want us to put our faith even now, even now in the present, even now, even now. Because we trust you. And our hope and our faith is in you. So continue to speak to our hearts, Lord. Encourage us, let us know that things that may be impossible will be possible with you. We will keep our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For it's in your name we ask and we pray. And everyone said, come on, amen.